war, terrorism, crime, abuse of all kinds, mistreatment of our fellow man, lying and stealing and taking advantage of others is all a result, not of society. It's a result of the fallen nature of man, the evil heart that's in man. Hello, and welcome to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is led by Pastor Daniel White. Pastor White has been serving as the senior pastor since its founding in 1998. We hope the message today will be a help and encouragement as you seek to become more like Jesus Christ in your everyday life. This and many other messages by Pastor White can be downloaded for free. Just visit our website at www. FBCClarkLake.org or visit us on iTunes where our weekly podcasts can be downloaded for free. Now let us take our Bibles and join Pastor White as he continues to teach us God's truths today. As I was sitting and listening to the Sunday School message today by Brother Kronbach, I was just in shock of how the Lord has put that message and this message together on this day. When the Lord arranges things like that, I'm just taken back. And so if you were here for our Sunday School Hour, what Matt taught during the Sunday School Hour really lays the foundation for what I will be teaching on today, and that is developing a biblical or Christian world view of life. Developing a Christian or a biblical world view of life. Wasn't long ago that I was reading some statistics by uh, Barna as they were uh, talking about uh, things that pertain to the church. And they said in their survey that young people from the age of, Christian young people from the age of 16 to 21, only 3% of our young people in America today, our Christian young people, have a world view that is Christian. Let me ask you a question. Is your view of life, is your view of this world in which we presently live, is it a biblical Christian worldview. When we say that, we're saying, is it the way that God views life? And is it the way that, that God views this world? Here in Ephesians chapter 4, we'll use beginning by verse 14. And I'll read down through verse 24. We'll use this text to establish a right and a wrong view of the world and of life. The Bible begins in verse 14 that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, a wrong worldview, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, a wrong worldview. Now remember, he's speaking to the church. He's speaking to the church about adopting a secular, humanistic, ungodly worldview. Verse 15, but a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Drop down to verse 17. 
This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as the other Gentiles or unbelievers walk in the vanity of their mind. Wrong worldview. Having the understanding darkened, wrong worldview. And alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. A wrong worldview. Because of the blindness of their heart. A wrong worldview who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, moral impurity, to work all uncleanliness with greediness. But ye, church, ye have not so learned Christ, a right worldview. If so be that ye have been taught of him a right worldview, and have been taught by him a right worldview, as the truth is in Jesus, he is our worldview. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, the wrong worldview, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, a right worldview, that ye may put on the new man which God has created in righteousness and true holiness, a right worldview. Heavenly Father, as we come and we look at your word today, I pray you'd help this preacher to de declare and to deliver your word with clarity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I preached a lot of messages over the years, right? A lot of you say I've said under a lot of your messages, preacher. This is one of the most difficult messages that I have ever delivered. And so I, I want you to give me your full attention today. Give me your heart, because if you miss what I'm saying, and you're going to come to the wrong conclusion at the end of this message. So you're going to have to put into this today in order to receive all that I believe that God would have you to receive. A worldview. What is a worldview? Well, it is a core set of values and principles through which we understand the present world in which we live. A worldview is an individual. It's your perception. It's, it's my perception of the world and, and, and what life is really all about and what the purpose of life is all about. That's a worldview. Is a person's worldview important? Hello, are you here today? Is a person's worldview important? Well, why is it so important? Because basically every decision that we make in life is based on our worldview. That's why it's so essential. A worldview is a set of beliefs that are used to understand the world in which we live. What are your beliefs that aid you to understand the world in which we now presently live. Listen, everyone has a worldview. Even our little toddlers over there in toddler church and in the nursery, they have a worldview. You know what their worldview is? Me, me, me. That's their worldview. And we do everything as parents to get that worldview out of them. Stop and think about it. When you come into the Lord's house to hear his word, you know what the job of the preacher is? To get God's world view into you. To get the world's view out of you and to get God's view of the world into you. 
because that'll impact, it'll change your life. So every one of us here today, every one of us, whether young or old, we have a set of principles by which we personally judge what is right and what is wrong. We have a set of principles, every one of us have a set of principles that guides us through life and helps us make the decisions that we make. So let me ask you a question right now. Why do you do what you do? Say, I don't know, I just do it. No, you don't. Why do you do what you do? Why do you make the decisions that you make? Why do you go where you go? Why do you involve yourself in the things that you involve yourself in? Why do you watch what you watch? It's because of your worldview. You're accustomed to doing things in a manner that is consistent with what you believe. As a man thinketh in his heart, what? So is he. So if you have a secular, humanistic worldview, how are you going to live your life? Worldly. If you have a Christian, a biblical worldview, how are you going to live your Christian life? Spiritually. In other words, you behave according to your worldview. It's true. And we need to understand this today. Our worldview affects everything that we do, whether we recognize it or not. Our worldview affects how we spend our money. Hello. Our worldview affects how we treat people, how we treat our family, how we treat our friends, how we treat our spouse, how we treat our children. Our worldview affects how we vote. Our worldview affects our view of nature. Our worldview affects how we spend our time. I'm here to tell you, our worldview affects everything that we do. We live out our lives according to our worldview. Our worldview is the basis of how we interpret reality. Our worldview is like a lens through which we look at the world. Our worldview, it shapes our morals. It shapes our values. It shapes our opinions. It shapes our ethics. It touches every single area of our lives. It affects what you believe about God. It affects what you believe about marriage. It affects what you believe about politics, about social issues, about the environment, about education, about the economy. It affects what you believe about raising children. Believe it or not, it even affects what kind of foods you eat. You say, serious, pastor? Dead serious. I want you to listen to this quote. I had to read it three or four times to wrap my mind around it. Your worldview affects everything because all of that which is around you 
and all of that with which you interact must be interpreted and must be understood in the light of your worldview. You know what? People have different worldviews. We have different worldviews right here in the church. And I want you to understand something we should not have. We should have one worldview that is completely consistent with the Scriptures. Well, people have different worldviews. That's why they have different opinions. They have a different opinion about God. Let me tell you something. You can't make God out to what you want Him to be. God is who He is as revealed in His Word. People have different views about man, about purpose, about life, about what's right, about what's wrong. Let me give you an example that we hear every single day on the news now, and it's horrifying to hear the atrocities that are perpetrated by ISIS. What they call this radical arm of Islam. Why are these men... Why, how could they go into a grade school, take precious little children, behead those children, and set their heads on their desk and do that in the name of Islam? How can they kill and behead their fellow men? Why are they against the Jews? against Christians, against what they call infidels. How come the, 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 the emblem of Islam is the sword? Why? Because the Quran and the 109 verses, I've read every one of them, that call for the beheadings, the mass murders, of those who oppose Islam and the forcing of Islam, either convert or die. See, where do they get their worldview? They get it from their Bible. They get it from their Quran. It shapes what they do. I'm thankful that my Bible says, love your enemies and do good to them. Islam and Christianity have nothing in common. One is from God and the other is from the devil. God help us from having a worldview that says we can embrace Chrislam and mingle these two religions together. They cannot be mingled as light and darkness and as oil and water. I want to talk about I want, to talk, I want to ask you some questions. And the questions that I'm going to ask you, first of all, I'm going to ask you some physiological questions. And then I'm going to ask you some social questions. The physiological questions that I'm about to ask you will then really interpret how you're going to answer the social questions. 
So let me ask you the first set of questions. Number one, where did we come from? I want you to answer that in your mind. Where did we come from? Why are we here and where are we going? Is there a God? If there is a God, what does he want? What happens to us after we die? Did we evolve or were we created by God? Is morality absolute or is it subjective? Answering those questions will really determine how you're going to answer the next set of questions which are related to society, social questions. For example, do you think homosexuality is sin or is it an alternative lifestyle? Depends on your worldview. Is abortion murder? Is it wrong? Or is it a woman's right to choose? Should capital punishment be allowed or should it be abolished? Where should we spend our monies and our energy protecting seals, whales, polar bears, and endangered species, or advancing human needs? Should, is it right to draft people into the military? Would you vote Republican? Would you vote Democrat? Would you vote Libertarian or nonpartisan? Or would you say, I don't vote at all? Do you think democracy is better than socialism and communism? Should prostitution be legalized as a legitimate business? Should we legalize marijuana? or other such drugs? Should marriage be defined as occurring only between a man and a woman or not? How you answer those questions really shows you what your world view is. So a world view affects our behavior. There's no question about it. You behave according to what you believe. Let's talk about an agnostic. What does an agnostic say that he believes? Well, an agnostic would simply say, well, I have a lack of belief in God. Listen to that. I have a lack of belief in God. An agnostic, and I've talked to several of them, would say, I, 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 well, I I do not believe, but I don't disbelieve either. What? I don't believe, and I don't disbelieve. I just don't know I'm an agnostic. All right? Put it to the test. Start trying to defend the Bible with an agnostic. Try talking to an agnostic about the fact that there's only one true and living God, and he's the Christian God. You will find that quickly your arguments will be attacked in order to disprove the existence of God. 
So a Gnostic would say simply believing, or, or are they simply believing according to what they believe and not according to what they don't believe? It is inconsistent. Come on, think about this with me, because there's lots of agnostics that we run shoulders with every day. Or they say they're agnostics. It's inconsistent to say that you lack belief in something and then try to attempt to disprove the thing that you say you really aren't sure about. It's totally inconsistent. Without admitting it, their worldview really is a worldview that says, I lack a belief in God. And listen to what the Bible says. A fool has said in his heart there is no God. There's no getting around it. Different worldviews affect whether or not we are aware of it. They do. Let's move from an agnostic to an atheist. What is an atheist? Someone says, I don't believe in God, period. Well, let's stop and let's look at that perspective for, for a moment. I don't believe in God, period. So how would an atheist answer the philosophical question, how did we get here? Bang. Evolution. Right? Darwinism. An atheist would say that we evolved from lower primates. Yes or no? They have to. Of course, he would deny the existence of God. And he would also deny that when we die, we cease to exist. No, when you die, you're dead, he says. There's no eternal life. There is no God. There's no eternity. Man dies, he's just like an animal. He dies and that's the end of him. Well, think about this with me. And again, I'm telling you, this is a hard message for me to preach. I'm usually not this note-bound, right? But since there is no God in the view of the atheist, then there's no moral absolutes. Because then there's no standard for our morality if there is no God. Instead, morality is left up to our own personal preference. Or it's left up to what society, society deems is right or wrong. The book of Judges talks about that when every man did that which was right in his own eyes. A Christian, on the other hand, if you were to ask them, where did we come from, what would we say? We are a direct creation of an almighty God. God created us, and he put us into this world with a purpose. That's what we believe. Give me an amen. amen. Our purpose, according to the scriptures, is to please and to glorify God. And it's to exercise proper responsibility, or the Bible uses the word dominion, over the creation that he put us into. A Christian would say, if we die, we don't cease to exist. 
A Christian would say if we die, we'll spend eternity either in heaven or hell. That's what a Christian should say. A Christian would deny that we came into existence via evolution. He would also deny that morals are subjective or situational. Do you see the difference? Let me talk to you about the humanistic secular worldview. The humanistic secular worldview, listen, for the past 50 years has permeated our public educational system. From preschool to university, our young people for 50 years have been taught secularism, humanism. They're the same thing. Now the vast majority of Americans embrace a worldview that is secular, that is humanistic. And if Barna Research Center is correct, only 3% of Christian young people embrace a Christian worldview. That means 97% of our Christian young people today embrace a form of secular, humanistic view of life. Let's talk about secular theology. What is secular theology? It's atheism. There is no God. That's what our young people have been taught for years now in our public schools. There is no God. What about secular philosophy? Secular philosophy is what's called naturalism. Humanist trust, the scientific method, is the only sure way of knowing anything. But listen to what the Bible says. Oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, referring to the word of God. Avoid, avoid profane and vain babblings. And then he says this, and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. How about secular ethics? They call that moral relativism. Since the secular worldview rejects the existence of God, human beings then get to decide on what's their own standard of moralities and values. Humanists, this is what humanists believe, humanists believe that society and human reasoning is a sufficient guide for figuring out what is right or wrong in any given situation. Humanism. Man is the ultimate authority because there is no God. How about secular science, falsely so-called? It's all based on the Darwinian theory of evolution. Let me tell you this, without embracing evolution, you cannot have a secular worldview. You can't. Because then the all, only other alternative is there is a creator God. Either man evolved or there is a creator God. So anything else would demand a creator. If anything else demand a creator, then that means we would be accountable to the one who created us. 
That means he sets the standards. That means he sets the laws. Not man. How about secular humanistic uh, social behavior? Humanists would say civilization and culture is what shapes an individual. Thus a man becomes evil and does evil things primarily because of his culture or his social environment. Man is not really inherently evil. And when a man does evil things, it's really not a fault of his own. It's society's fault. What a contradictory statement. I was raised on an Indian reservation. I was raised in Lantz. And Lantz was part of the Indian reservation. Just outside of Lantz, there was a place where all of the, the Indians lived. And the government gave them everything. I mean, gave them everything. The government went in, literally went in, and tore down all of their homes and built every one of them brand new homes to live in. If you were to go into this community before the government tore down their homes, and by the way, they put them up in motels as they were building their homes. See, because if you improve their social environment, you'll improve the individual. I want to tell you something. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And I saw this. I mean, I saw this as a reality. We would go into that area. Actually, we had to pass through that area to get to where my father and I would hunt. And doors would be off of the homes. I mean, in the middle of winter, the homes would be, the, the doors would be ripped off. Plastic would be on there. Shutters would be laying off. The yards would be full of garbage. And so the government said, we're going to come in and we're going to help these native Indians. And so they built them all brand, beautiful, brand new homes. I'm here to tell you, in less than five years, those homes looked in the same condition as they were before the government tore down their homes. It's not an environmental problem, it's a heart problem. Humanists would say it's society and culture. They have influenced man's actions and therefore have stifled man's inherent goodness. We just need to fan that flame of divinity that's in every one of us. Humanists would say crime is really not the fault of the perpetrator. It's the fault of his social condition. You know what? It's the blame game that goes all the way back to Genesis. Now I want to tell you something. A lot of people listening to me speak today would say he is the most cruel and unloving, unsympathetic preacher I've ever heard. I'm here to tell you. I'm preaching the truth, and you know I am. So the truth of the Word of God. What about secular law? Secular humanism says the state is sovereign. Really? I thought God was sovereign. Well, if there is no God, I can see the rationality in that. Because if there is no God, then there's no higher power than the state. Just as man is seen as the final word in ethics, 
To a humanist, the state is seen as the only source of legal truth. But I'm here to tell you, God's word said we ought to obey God and his laws rather than man and his laws. Secular politics. I can tell some of this is going, especially for some of our young people, this is going... Secular politics, liberalism, progressivism, socialism, communism, the Democratic Party. Humans believe that the government is the answer to most, if not all, of the world's ills. Really? Jefferson said it is a necessary evil and must be kept in check by the people. One humanist wrote this. While man is on an evolutionary road to utopia, governments are responsible to direct humanity down that road. The goal of humanism is world peace. And a global state can best achieve it. Humanists seek to promote the institution of a one world government. And that's going to solve all the problems of the world. When you know something, that one world government is what Revelation chapter 13 calls the government of the Antichrist. A Christian worldview. Talked about a secular worldview. Come on now, stay awake with me. <clears throat> I swear, one of these days, I'm going to install buzzers in these seats. And I'm going to have a pad right up here, so I have. To... <clears throat> hey, I can understand this morning. That really, seriously. This isn't how I usually preach. If you're here visiting today, this is not how I usually preach. It's quite different. And I, and I know, I understand, this is somewhat boring. I understand that. But I'll tell you, we've got to wrap our hearts around these truths. So a Christian worldview, what is it? Well, <clears throat> it's viewing the world from a Christian perspective, from a biblical perspective. It's viewing the world as God views the world because he's the creator of it. I think he has a pretty good viewpoint, don't you? So a Christian worldview must be shaped by one source of truth. And that source of truth is this book that we have right here in our hands. The Bible must shape and form our worldview and our view of life. A worldview has to come to grips with some of the following questions. I've already asked you some of these. Where do we come from? Why are we here? Where are we going? Why is the world in the mess that's in? By the way, have you noticed things are kind of messed up in the world? Can what is wrong with this world ever be fixed? Well, different worldviews with different core beliefs would answer those questions quite differently. 
So let's consider how a Christian worldview would, would answer it, and then we'll look at how a secular humanistic worldview would answer it. A Christian worldview would say, where do we come from? God. God created us. God created humanity. God created us in his image. And he gave us meaning, and he gave us purpose, and he brought us into a relationship with him, and, and he put us on this planet to rule it. Hello? Why are we here? Well, Christians should say, well, we're here to please and glorify the Lord. That's why we're here. Christian would say, well, where are we going, heaven or hell? A Christian would say, well, why are we in the mess that we are in? Because man has fallen. Man possesses an evil, depraved, sinful nature which is capable of all kinds of wickedness and evil. Some which are unimaginable. War. Terrorism. Crime. Abuse of all kinds, mistreatment of our fellow man, lying and stealing and taking advantage of others is all a result, not of society. It's a result of the fallen nature of man, the evil heart that's in man. Man is a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Man is not inherently good. Paul said, I know that is in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. The world's in a mess that it's in because humanity is in a mess that it's in. And humanity is only living out what's in their life and what their view of life in the world is. Because we have sinned against God. We have subjected ourselves and this world to the curse. The curse of evil, the curse of decay, the curse of death. That's the problem with man. Can anything be done to fix humanity? Can anything be done to fix this world in which we live? That's what's called the gospel. <laughs> Yes. Romans calls it the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That God became man in the person of Christ and so loved this world so very much that he came to this sinful, cursed, depraved, and wicked and fallen world and he died on an old rugged cross to redeem man from his fallen nature and make him a new creature in Christ. And one day, the same Savior who has set it up into heaven is going to come again in like manner. And he's going to be the King of kings. And he's going to be the Lord of lords. And he's going to set everything right. And he will rule in righteousness. Do you have that worldview? Christian worldview should result in our adherence to moral absolutes. Listen to me, church. There are things that are right and are wrong and will never change. There's things that are clean and they're unclean and it's never going to change. Because God doesn't change. 
there are moral absolutes. A Christian worldview should believe in the value of human life because we all were created in the image of God, loved by Him and put here on this earth to fulfill His purpose. We should have a worldview that forgiveness and redemption and eternal life is available to whosoever will. That must be our worldview. Without that worldview, there's no hope for a lost and dying world. Do you see why this is so important? Because if the secular humanists are correct, there's no need of the gospel. And listen to me, that's why there is such a hardness and rebellion today against the gospel of Jesus Christ in America. Christian worldview, it must be comprehensive. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? I mean this. It can't just be a, a view that we have when we show up to church on Sunday. It has to be a view of the world and a view of life that is lived out every day of our life. There cannot be any separating of a Christian worldview from everyday living. Church, as your pastor, I'm calling on you today to live out your worldview. Whether you're at a hostile school or a hostile workplace or a hostile marketplace or among hostile families, I'm here to tell you, live out your faith. Jesus himself is my worldview. His life and his teachings shape my world view. Jesus said, I am. I am. Not secular humanism. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. His word is a lamp unto our feet. And it is a light unto our path. Form your worldview around his life and around his teachings. So how would a secular humanist answer those questions? Where did we come from? Oh, we're just simply a product of evolution. Why are we here? Oh, that's easy, to fulfill the desires of the flesh. Self-actualization. Where am I going? Nowhere. When you die, you just cease to exist. Why is the world in the mess that it's in? It's not my fault, it's society's fault. It's the culture. So man is not responsible for his actions.
Is what is wrong with humanity and the world be fixed? The secular humanist would say, of course. It can be fixed through man's wisdom and through governmental control. Our world bought into that in the two past elections. Hope and change and President Obama was worshipped like a messiah because with his secular, humanistic, socialistic, communistic view of the world, and by the way, he can't get it out of him. The only way he's going to get it out of him is to be redeemed by the blood of Christ. We need to pray for his salvation. He can't get it out of him. That's why it's in all of his policies. Let me ask you a question. How's that working out for us? I thank God for the last election. I don't know what the future holds. But it did give me some hope that there's enough common sense in Americans to stand up and say we're stopping this president's agenda. It doesn't work. The fruit of a secular worldview is all around us. Open your eyes. It doesn't work. So as we observe society, I think we could all say not all is well. For to be carnally minded, secular worldview, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, a Christian worldview, is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject unto the law of God, neither indeed can be. So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. There's the wisdom which is of this world, James chapter 3, and the wisdom which is of God. That's why, church, listen to me. We need to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Our worldview must be the same view of this book. Must be the same view that Jesus had and must always be according to his teachings. Like the lights dimmed on the stage just as I close. You see, if you're here today and you're an unbeliever, Christianity sets forth some core values, some core beliefs that really become the basis of our worldview. And what I'm going to do here right now is just give you a very short list of some of the elements that I believe should make up the Christian's world view. Number one, there is a God. Amen. Number two, he is a triune God, and he is the Christian's God, and that is the only God that exists. God has revealed himself in three ways. God has revealed himself through creation. God has revealed himself through the Bible, and he's revealed himself through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. God created the universe and all that is in it with order and design. The universe was not an accident. It wasn't just a big bang. 
all life on earth was created by God, and it was designed for a purpose. Life did not evolve. Let me just say something. I believe the reason that so many of our young people no longer embrace a Christian worldview has to be because of how they've been educated. I can't think of any other way to explain it. Do you know that a child from the age of preschool to 12 years of age, the average young person will spend 28,000 hours being educated? I've never stopped to figure it out, but I wonder how many hours, even if their parents brought them to church once a week, faithfully, how many hours that would compare to. Would you stop and think about it? Do you think that's why God said to his people, learn not the way of the heathen? Do you think maybe that's why it could be that so many of our young people, when they go off to secular universities, they have their faith destroyed? The unseen world, do you believe this, is just as real as the physical world in which we live. God made man in his own image distinct from animals. We did not evolve. Man from conception is human and possesses dignity due to being made in the very image and likeness of God. The first humans on earth were Adam and Eve, not a little amoeba. I climbed out of the slime and grew legs, started swinging from trees. Adam and Eve were the first family created male and female according to the purpose of God's procreation in order to glorify Him. Homosexuality, therefore, is unnatural and is a perversion of God's design. Man is morally responsible and answerable to God. Why? Because he created us. God gave dominion over the earth to Adam and thus to their descendants. Sorry, Al Gore. Man is a steward of God's creation and is to subdue it or have dominion over the world in a manner consistent with biblical revelation. Sin entered the world through Adam and Eve. All people have sinned and are in need of salvation. Only God can save. Man cannot save himself. Jesus is the only way to escape the judgment of God. The Christian gospel is the key to the conversion of all people. The Bible is the inspired revelation from God it is preserved, it is without error, and it is authoritative. The Bible reflects the true and moral character of God. Therefore, truth and morals are knowable and absolute. They are not relative. Government is ordained by God and is God's provision for order and safety in society. Period. Christians are to follow the laws of the land except where they contradict the Bible. 
All areas of life are subject to God and should have a Christian principles guiding them. Personal, public, politics, as well as medicine, science, art, literature, and et cetera, et cetera. Live out your faith. Christians are to evangelize the world. All areas of life are a Christian mission field. Whether you're in politics or medicine or science or literature or education or technology, family, economics, we're all in a mission field, right? When we walk out of these doors, we are entering the mission field. I want you to understand something. This God that created is a God that one day is going to return. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. That sword is called the word of God. That with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the furiousness of the wrath of the Almighty God. I want you to understand something today. You better be on God's side. Don't stand in opposition to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If you do, it will not go well for you. And I leave you with this final slide. And he shall judge the world in righteousness, and he shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. One day our Savior will make it all right. But until he comes, until he sets up his kingdom, he tells us, occupy till I come, be salt and be light. Thank you for listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you've missed any messages or would like to hear this one again, just visit our website at www.fbcclarklake.org or visit us on iTunes where you can subscribe for free to our weekly podcast. If this or any other message has been an encouragement to you, we would love to hear about it. Just send us a note on our website. If you do not currently have a church you are attending, we would love to have you come visit us here at Fellowship Baptist. Baptist. We are located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan, 49234. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, and we look forward to seeing you here again next time. Have a great day, and God bless.